Today, we're continuing in our series in 2 Corinthians. And so, to give us a little bit of a recap where we've been the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this letter that the Apostle Paul, he was a leader in the early church who planted a bunch of churches and started just a bunch of churches all throughout the Roman Empire. And he writes these letters to to encourage and at times correct the people who, uh, if he hears of things that are going wrong, <laughs> uh, he, he lets them know that, hey, this is not good. And so, thankfully for us today, 2 Corinthians, it's not a letter of correction. It's a letter of encouragement. Uh, one of the key words and themes is comfort. Um, depending on your translations, if you were to read through the entire letter, you would see the word comfort pop up over and over and over again. The letter to second to the Corinthians, this one, is broken up into three sections, and the first section talks about the topic of reconciliation. And so the last couple of weeks, we've learned a few things. Um, a few weeks ago, we learned that Christians actively hope in real life with God forever, that we have a promise of eternal life with God forever, not with these rusty, old, clinky, clunky, old bodies that we have here on earth, but with bodies that are made by God for us in heaven, and that when we die and our, our, we depart this body and go to be in eternity, there is a body for those who, um, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so we believe, and I would submit to you that I would love it if you would believe, because it's in the Bible, that this is an actual real hope. We're not just oh, wishing that we could do that like I wish I could go to Disneyland sometimes. Like it's, but it's an actual real hope. Like you can take it to the bank. God's going to fulfill on that promise and that guarantee. And we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that promise. So, the, the following week, we learned that the life of a Jesus follower, that's you and me, uh, for those of us who have done that, uh, it's driven by this hope for something called reconciliation. We, we can kind of understand that we're going to, I'm not going to belabor the point because we're going to talk more about that today, but you know, that we really have a hope that Jesus is going to set all things right, that he's going to make all the wrong things right, that he's going to make things good again, he's going to bring healing, and we have a hope in that, and we want to share that with other people. Last week, we had a guest speaker come. He's uh, kind of the overseer of our family of churches that we belong to, and we learned, uh, he didn't have uh, a succinct phrase, but I kind of summarized what he, went, uh, he talked about last week, is that reconciled ambassadors, you and me, are responsible for bringing the culture of heaven, its, its beliefs and practices, into the here and now, everywhere we go. That how we are ambassadors for Christ is that we have, uh, we believe in Jesus, we believe in uh, his, his death, burial, and resurrection for everybody, and we believe that we can opt into that, and 
we help spread that message and we'll cover some of the verses that were covered last week today as well. So I don't want to go into too much of that just yet. But that's where we've been today. If you could go to the next slide. Today we are talking about the idea of ministering reconciliation. So ministering being this word of like the stuff we do, how do we do reconciliation as followers of Jesus? And so our pass passage today is going to be 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through chapter 6, verse 2. And the big idea we're going to be exploring together is that we experience new creation in Christ through reconciliation. We experience new creation in Christ through reconciliation. To kind of get our minds more around this idea of new creation and reconciliation, how, how, how that, how that, hmm, I can't even talk today, how all that works together, let's go to the next slide. What's this picture of? Anybody? Shout out at me. Talk to me. Bandaging? Okay. Why would somebody go and get a bandage like that? Okay, they're wounded. Beautiful. Uh, that could be either, you know, a gouge where it penetrates the skin and all that, or it could also be, depending on the severity of it, you could have, like, broken or sprained something, right? Um, but usually, in that kind of a scenario, there's the action of, uh, of binding up and bandaging to, to advocate for healing, for, for things that at one point were broken or are broken at this point in hopes that they're going to be brought back together and that they would heal together as they should, right? Um, we don't want any broken arms kind of, you know, healing the wrong way, if you will. And so this makes me think of the topic of reconciliation and our part in it where we have this reality that we've experienced between us and the Lord, where Jesus has ministered reconciliation between us and God the Father, but also how he's calling us to something more, where he's calling us to be ministers of this reconciliation, people who pass it on and help people experience that as well. And so in this picture, we get to be like the nurse or doctor in this picture for other people, where all of us at some point or another in our lives are broken. And there's things that happen in our world, whether it's inside of us or outside of us, that break us, both physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally and the whole gamut of who our personhood, there are things that can break us. And thankfully, God gives us people who know what it's like to be broken, who have been healed, who have, who have even gone through training at times, or have at least been read up on the latest ways of applying the bandage, if you will, that he's brought people, surrounded us with people, whether we know it or not, who know what it's like to be broken 
and know how to get healing for that brokenness. And I would submit to you that that is a picture of reconciliation. So with that, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. You're welcome to follow along on the screen with me or whatever your Bible is works for me as well, digital or otherwise. Here we go. Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, says, so from now on, we, meaning him and his group of, of folks, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, quote, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, written by the Apostle Paul, the first thing I see in our passage is that ministering reconciliation means seeing the conflict and resolution from God's perspective, not our perspective, and not maybe even anybody else's perspective. There's a difference, and so far in 2 Corinthians, we see there are two different realities at work. There is God's reality, God's kingdom, and there's the world that we live in. Um, at times it's called the kingdom of darkness because it is ruled by the devil and his minions, and we're not going to go into all the detail of that other than to say there is a difference between how God sees things and how God runs things and how God wants things to be and what we might experience here on earth. That's one of the reasons why when Jesus gave us the model for prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we could walk out those doors 
into the world right now. And maybe not within the first few steps, but at some point in the next day or so, we would probably come across something where that's not God's will. That's something that actually it, it, it promotes and, and continues this, this reality of brokenness in our world. That's not good. <laughs> um, and so Paul, he points out, so now we don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Here he's bringing in that contrast of it's really easy for us to default to a worldly perspective, to default to this is the way I was brought up to think. Maybe my parents thought this certain way, or maybe I heard my friends at school say this kind of thing, or maybe in, any host of things, or maybe my favorite celebrity told me how to do this thing kind of deal. That's legit. That's how things happen in the world today. And we can accept those voices, or we can do something different. Paul is suggesting we do something different. He's suggesting that in order for us to minister, to do this thing called reconciliation, we actually need to see the picture from God's perspective, not ours. Because his is a purer, truer picture and perspective than ours is. And there is a conflict at work in people's lives. This brokenness we talk about, this lost state that, that we have experienced before or maybe we're even experiencing right now. And the resolution, the, the, the remedy that God gives us is Jesus. Not as like some kind of sales gimmick, not as some kind of whatever, but the fact is there is sin and brokenness in the world and the only solution is Jesus. It's not anything you and I do. It's not no matter how hard we try. It's Jesus. And that is why, for Paul, he's saying we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He is now looking at people and his situations from that perspective of Here's this person who might be experiencing all this kinds of brokenness, and what they need is not my right point of view. <laughs> they don't need me to explain it to them. They don't me need me to try and point out how my way is the best way, and they would really do better if they just understood that. They just need Jesus. That's what they need. And so that's why Paul, he, he points that out, but then he continues and says, therefore, if that anyone is in Christ, what happens? The new creation has come. We experience the new creation. It's not the old creation. It's not the broken creation. It's not the, the, the experience of lack that we have in the world. It is the new creation in Christ. Christ, we experience that not in anything I do, not in anything you do, but it's in Christ. And that is because Christ reconciled the world to God. And we experience that as we are in Christ. 
and we can actually choose the new creation. We can choose to to believe for that reality and bring that reality into the here and now, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So first thing I see is that to minister reconciliation, for you and I to, to participate in that process, it's a lot like us putting on glasses. If our eyesight might be broken in some way, metaphorically speaking, <coughs> But when we see from God's perspective, it's like, and from the lens of the gospel, now all of a sudden, that neighbor who's really peeving me off, suddenly I get to see them like Christ sees them, as someone who needs Jesus. I can start to see these, I can interact with people, man, who... Just this week, I've been hearing story after story of all this brokenness that's going on in our community right now in families and in situations. And man, I could get on my high horse. I could like say, oh, it's because of this, it's because of that. Oh, they need to change this. But man, if I just remember, I need to see this as God sees it. All that anger and frustration at whatever, it gets put into context over the fact that if I see them as God sees them, I'm in a good place to be able to minister reconciliation or at least start the conversation for that and then let them decide how they engage. And so as an application for you and I today, we just, we need to see as God sees. The problem is we're in this earthly body, so how do we do that? Huh. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, 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 a very clear way is to, to think as God would think and to see as God would see, we need to hear God's voice. And one of the clearest ways to do that is to read the Bible. Whether we agree with whatever's written in here or not, that's not the problem. Actually, well, it is the problem. The problem is that if we don't agree with it, it's because there's something wrong with us. And we need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so that's why we need his perspective. I'm not smart enough to figure out this reconciliation thing on my own. And neither are you. Hate to break it to you. I love you guys. But the point is that we need, we need to hear what God has to say about himself, about people, about our situation. The next thing I see is that ministering reconciliation means sharing what we've been given through Christ. So, Paul points out in verses 18 and 19 that, so, new creation has come, old is gone, new is here. All this, all that Paul has been talking about with reconciliation, all that hope, all that everything, is from God. It's not from Tim Walls. It's not from you. It's from God. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. There's a song we've sang in the last couple of weeks where there's a, a lyric that says, you didn't want heaven without us. 
So Jesus, you brought heaven down. And that's a way of applying and, and, and interpreting that kind of dynamic where God, he didn't like the fact that we were separated from him. He wants us to be with him. He wants you to be with him. And therefore, all this is from God who reconciled to him, uh, us to himself through Christ. And he gives us something. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just something, although it would be enough, it's not just something that I receive from the Lord and thank you, God, for this gift. Now I'm just going to wait for heaven. Ah, oh, okay. No, he's given us something to do. And not, not as a, a thing to, for us to boast about. Paul's been really clear about that so far. But it's something that we get to bring our experience of the gospel into the here and now in other people's lives. Because if all of this is given from God, and I believe it is, then that means if we've been given something, it's not just for us to hoard on our own and to just get all our pieces together and make sure that I got my stuff. It's in order for me to share with you and to share with other people in my life. Because friends, there, oh, there's so much going on in the world right now. We could spend oh, a lot of time just hammering that out. We're not going to, but there's so much going on and we need to share what we've been given. We don't need just to give people another sales pitch. We need to tell people how we have been impacted by a God who loves us and gave himself for us so that we could be with him. And so, as we've experienced that love of Christ, that gracious gift that he's given us, it's like we're, you know, we're, to, to use the phrase, it's like we're wearing our heart on our sleeve in a positive way, where it's like we're saying, here's my mended heart. Look what Jesus has done for me. This is what Jesus means to me. I think he could mean that for you too. And so we experience new creation in Christ through reconciliation because it's not just the old broken thing. Reconciliation is something that we experience in the here and now. It's something that we participate in. It's something that we end up being able to be a conduit of God's reconciliation and giving that to the world because, friends, I don't know if you know this, but the world has a different message than that. The world would say, it's fine. You're not broken. You're just, that's just who you are. That's just, you know, like if you were to be that person, that patient coming in with whatever kind of wound or broken anything, and it's like, you don't have a wound. You're fine. It's okay. That's kind of the message that we get. Or, oh, well, yeah, that." That gouge in your arm, that's your thing. Here, here, here's a Band-Aid. I'm going to put it on there. And, and here's all this other stuff that you, is going to numb that pain because, well, it might get gangrene, but that's becoming your thing too. 
and I make light of it because it's not just because I'm sure you can imagine some of the stuff going through my mind of like what I mean by that, and I'm sure there's stuff that what you mean by that, and the fact is it could be a whole spectrum of everything in the world where we just, we internalize that, that brokenness and that wounding stuff to make that our reality when God wants to say, that's the old creation. I have something new for you. I have something new for you. I have something that I've dreamed up for you. This new creation for you that I paid the greatest price to reconcile with you would be God's perspective on that. So, sharing what we've been given in Christ. The third thing, I need to get cooking because I got a few more points here. So, the next, next part of this passage that, that we get to is one of my favorite scriptures, uh, is verses 20 through 21. And what I see here is that ministering reconciliation means practicing healing empathy that's rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in who Jesus is, both in his personhood, his role as the Savior, all of that. Also, though, not just who he is, but what he's done through his work on the cross. He is the one who reconciled us to the Father through his blood. And so, practicing healing empathy in our world today, it's a it, it's a toss-up whether it's, it's a good or a bad thing. There's so much talk of empathy, and it's a beautiful thing that our world is exploring. The problem is they're wanting that empathy and that healing without Jesus. And that is just a recipe for disaster because that's how we got into this whole mess in the first place. So, what Paul is suggesting is practicing healing empathy that's rooted in Jesus. Let's look at the text. So verse 20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. And then he, he says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then this is, oh, I love this verse. It's beautiful. God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin. Some of your translations might say, knew no sin. To be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus put his money where his mouth is, and he decided to step into our place even though he didn't practice sin, he never sinned. He was the righteous, spotless lamb of God, the scriptures say. He stood in our place, having done nothing wrong in his whole life. For this guy who's done a lot of wrong, and for you and everybody, where we've done a lot of wrong, all so that if we are in Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't just see my sin or your sin. 
He's in our brokenness. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness. And that's what that means, is that God made him who had no sin, he didn't do that, and to be the bearer of our sin. He took all sin, past, present, and future, on himself at the cross so that through that death, burial, and resurrection, we could be seen as righteous before a holy God. Jesus practiced empathy to bring us healing because as we go on, uh, Paul, he references this, this citation of, of a scripture where it says, in the day of salvation, I helped you. And then he goes on to say, I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the, the day of salvation. And actually, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but it's okay. Here we are. Is that that word for salvation, it has its roots in a word that means saved, rescued, but also healed, made whole, and restored. And so, how we do this thing called ministering reconciliation is that we practice healing empathy that's rooted in Jesus because it's not rooted in, in me or, or anything that I've done, but we, we follow Jesus' example and we walk a mile in their shoes. How many of you have had converse like these that are up on the screen before in your life? I have. I've had so many pairs of those. They break down so easy, those canvas shoes. But one thing that's interesting is that, boy, you can tell if a pair of converse has had a lot of wear time. Uh, and when they're broken down and they got the, the hole in the sole of the shoe and you wear them anyway because you don't have more money to buy more Converse. But Jesus, he did that, that act of empathy of saying, I know I'm God. I'm going to actually put flesh and bones and, and human skin on and I'm going to be a human and live that perfect life like you couldn't so that you could be reconciled with God, so you could be saved, so you could experience that new creation. And so for you and me, how do we practice reconciliation as a ministry? I think the first thing is that it starts with being reconciled to God, making sure that if there's anything standing between us and the Lord, bring it to him. Pray to him. Admit your need. Believe in Jesus for salvation. That Jesus is the one who, who did this whole reconciling thing. And then confess to him that, Jesus, you are the Savior. You are the Lord. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I believe it. Not just because some guy up on the stage said to do it, but there's something moving in me that makes me realize, man, I got all this brokenness on my own, and you seem to have a solution for my problem. And I can, I can have that faith and trust in you. Another way is that we do it with others, that when people wrong us, which can happen, 
either <laughs> depending on your personality, a moment-by-moment -moment basis, or, or at least once a day, something can come up and it's like, oh, that's aggravating. Like me and Amazon last week when I was trying to get my order from for VBS of all things, and because of the, the, the different strikes that have been going on this week, our shipment was impacted, let me tell you. And so there's things where there's opportunity to extend reconciliation everywhere we go or to try to practice this idea of not putting up the dividers, not putting up, not like going to war over a certain thing, but trying to bring people together. But the most important starting block is not that. It's actually starting between you and the Lord. And that brings us to our final point, is that ministering reconciliation means the time has come for reconciliation, for things to be made right. Paul wrote it down. He says, now is the time. Now, he meant that literally back then too, some 2,000 years ago. But you and I are reading it today, and I believe that by extension, it's also today. That today means you can be reconciled with God in Jesus, through Jesus, by what he did on the cross and having your faith in that. You can be reconciled to others as hard as that is to believe. And man, I don't know about you, but sometimes there's things, especially in, in our families, in our family experiences, there's sometimes where just stuff comes in and the, the enemy loves to use that to tear our families apart. And there is, it's possible today for you to experience salvation in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in our city, between you and your kids, between you and your spouse. There is opportunity today to practice reconciliation now. That doesn't mean it's easy. It just means that it's possible and that there's an urgency behind it. That Paul, he doesn't just say, and in a week, it's time for God's salvation. Or, ah, shoot, you missed the boat on that, that this one this week. Come back next week. Come back in a month. It'll be here for sure. No, he says now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. That means you can experience this new creation in Christ because of what he did to bring you back together with God. You can experience new creation in Christ because even though it's hard, you don't have to give that hand gesture when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Like, you can experience reconciliation, that new creation here and now. The time has come. And so as kind of an action point, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. Again, if there's anything standing between you and him, take this time just to say, God, this is, 
This is between me and you, and I don't want that standing between us. I want to be with you. I can't do this life without you. Not just because some guy said so, but because I just, life experience shows me that I can't do this life without you. I need you in my life. If there are, are situations in, in your life, family dynamics or just relational tension, I would invite you to explore what it would mean to be reconciled to that person. Reconciliation doesn't have to mean that you're your best buddy, but it does mean that you at least wish them well. Even if they've wronged you or you've wronged them, that you could reach a point where the love of God, the grace of God has come into that situation and has made it new. Let's pray.